don't hear many messages today about hell. Don't worry. I'm not going to preach about hell today, although I will mention it. I went home. They had an altar call here, but I, I didn't come forward. I went home, and in the privacy of my own bedroom, I asked Jesus to come into my life. It was a great time. It was a time of being discipled and growing in my faith. Being discipled through the youth group, being discipled with my youth pastor, being discipled with Christian friends, growing in my faith, growing to understand what being a Christian was all about. I wasn't just prayed for and sent on my own. I was, I had help. Discipleship is a key issue for the church today. It has been for years. But we just can't have somebody raise their hand and say, I want Jesus in my life, and then never help them and never train them and never educate them. It was a great time in my life of sensing the call of God upon my life. I was going to Indiana University. I was going to be a sports writer. And my youth pastor suggested, why don't you go to Fort Wayne Bible College and get a year of Bible before you go down to Bloomington? And I thought, well, that's a good idea. Why didn't I think of that? And so I enrolled. I had an undeclared major, but soon God worked in my life and was calling me into the ministry to share my life with other people and tell them about Jesus and who He is. It's fitting for me today that I start my final time, our final time of home ministry assignment. My wife Carolyn over here is setting, raise your hand Carolyn if you don't know her. We are starting our, our, our farewell tour. And some of you don't know what that means, so I'll tell you, uh, we are not going back to Ireland when our furlough is over at the end of January due to health reasons on, on my behalf. And we appreciate your prayers as we go through our last time for our churches, but more importantly, you pray for uh, me physically. Pray that uh, I would get a kidney transplant. I need I need kidney. And so we're, we're hoping and praying that, that God will bring that about. So it's great that I get to start going around for the last time to many of these churches by coming to my my home church, my church where I found Christ. God has taken us many different places. He's allowed us the privilege of serving five different churches as youth or associate pastor in America. For a short time, I was able to serve here under Dr. Paul Grable. He's taken us to three countries as missionaries, Nigeria, the Ivory Coast, and Ireland. And thinking about today, several themes kept going through my mind. There was the theme of thankfulness. Thankfulness that God called me into His kingdom. Thankfulness that God called me into His ministry to teach and preach and disciple hundreds of people around the world. Thankful for 
the opportunities and the experiences that God has given me. Thankfulness for being able to serve the missionary church with our, our overseas branch called World Partners. You know, we all complain about our employers sometimes. And I complain about World Partners sometimes too. But being around the world and talking to other people with different missions, man, am I thankful that I served with World Partners and the missionary church. Another thing that came to mind is there's power in the blood. We sang about it in a hymn this morning, and the quartet sang about that power. That power of Jesus' blood to change our lives forever. Amen? Amen? He changes our direction. He changes our purpose. He changes our goals. He changes our priorities. And it's all because of the blood of Jesus that He shed for us. Another theme was finishing well. Everybody always says you want to finish well. As missionaries, you really want to finish well. You want to leave with good relationships. You want to leave with uh, good goodbyes, although goodbyes are never easy. Uh, they, they gave us a send-off that never imagined. Uh, I think over 120 people came to a farewell for us in Dublin. And it was, I'll tell you, it was humbling, but it was fun. It was great to see everybody and to talk to them and, and to say goodbye. And then the theme came to my mind, running the race. The race we call life. As a former athlete and a former coach, this morning I'd like to share just for a few moments from one of my favorite passages in the Bible. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 9. So if you'd turn there with me, I'd like to read 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. Paul is writing here at the beginning of the chapter. He's talking about rights of an apostle. And he he goes on and he says, I haven't used any of these rights. And then he goes on down and beginning at verse 24. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not, not they do they do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for these moments we have together. I pray that my words would be clear. I pray that they'd be your words from the Holy Spirit. And I pray, Lord, we'd all go out of this this, uh, sanctuary this morning encouraged and grow, uh, uh, sensing a, a, uh, a closeness to you. And may we live our lives more fully for you. In your name, amen. So this morning... I want to share just a few observations from this passage of Scripture. And they're not, you know, great theological things. But number one, everybody competes. 
Everybody competes in the race of life. If you like running, which I don't, but if you like running and you're in a marathon, you just can't sprint out of the gate and expect to finish well. You have to pace yourself. Does anybody, are there any marathon runners here? Not a one, Pat. You've done a good job. Oh, only you. You used to, but you have no disciples. In a marathon, you have to pace yourself and pace yourself and hopefully have a kick left at the end to finish. But if you're a sprinter, you have to sprint right out of the gate and you have to get there as quickly as you can and do the Hussein Bolt thing. Okay? But everybody competes. Runners run. They run to win the prize. Whether that's a ribbon or a trophy or a... A cash, cash, they run for cash, but everybody runs. Everybody that's sitting here does life. Everyone does life. I don't know what your life looks like, and you don't know what my life looks like, but we do it. We do life, we get up, we put our clothes on, and we go about our tasks, or our jobs, or our hobbies, or whatever it is that we do. Everybody here does life. We may do it differently, but we all do it. We have different styles, different development, different techniques, different decision-making, but we all do life. And sometimes when we do life, there are things that come into our lives that we don't necessarily like. Now, I could stand before you this morning, I could say, oh, I'm really glad that I have kidney disease, and I'm glad that I can't do all the things I used to do, and I'm glad that I get tired and I have to nap every day, but I'd be lying to you. Okay? I'm not glad about that. But it's something that Jesus is teaching me that I can identify more with his sufferings because some of the sufferings that I go through. But we don't have to like it. Does that make sense? Okay? We do life... And different things come to us that we face. But it's how we handle them. How do we react? How do we continue to live our lives? People, probably many people in this room have gone through cancer. I have a sister-in-law who's going through cancer right now. She's done with her chemo and she's, she's doing radiation. She has radiation every day. Every day for 30 days. Something like that. She's not, she doesn't like that, but she's learning from it. Everybody makes choices, but what choices do we make? We make the choices, like it says in the scripture here, whether or not to train. Do we train? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. Do we train? Do we want to get better? at whatever it is we're doing. So do we want to get better at doing life? Or are we satisfied with what we've done and we don't want to do any better? We don't want to do life better. Well, I can tell you right now that I want to do life. I don't want to sit around and do nothing. And I want to do life better. I want to learn I want to improve. I want to continue to grow in my relationship with Christ. 
I want to continue to serve people. Although it's not going to be over the big pond, as we say. Do we want to get better at life? My prayer is that we all would want to do better. Better at living and better at living for Christ. So how do we live better for Christ? Well, I think I believe it starts with the Scriptures. If you never read the Bible, how can you have a better relationship with Jesus? Trust me, I meet high school kids and I've met some college kids already in my five days home. Oh, we don't need to read the Bible. You know, we just go to church and we listen to the pastor and the pastor tells us what to do. Do all your people do what you tell them to do? No, no. But certainly if we read the scriptures, we can learn from God. You know, I know it's outdated to memorize scripture, but man, am I glad I memorized a lot of verses. I'd encourage you to memorize verses, to read the scriptures, to pray, to go to church, to get in a Bible study, to get in a small group or a home group or whatever you call them here. What do you call them here? Yeah, both. That's good. That's good. We were in a home group in Dublin, and the home group was fantastic. Uh, our leader was a girl who uh, from the U.K., but she did her university in Wales. And so she said, hey, let's take the small group to Wales. My mom and dad have a house. Let's go, let's go away together. So ten of us went off on the ferry, went across the Wales, and had a great weekend together. Home groups is where you have your, your accountability. It's where you have your, your, your closest connections. It's where you can make those lifelong connections with individuals. And we can be better at living for Christ. Well, there are two major prayers for all the children, the students, and the families that we have served over the years. There's category one and there's category two. By the way, this is under the second point on everyone makes choices. I didn't say that. Category number one, I want to start out, and I have a few people here. There's Kim. Kim is a girl who grew up in the Greek Street Flats, which is a, a, a tenement home kind of a situation. And she grew up in our Bible clubs. Uh, I have a picture of her when she was just a, a an elementary student. I, I hold over her head to blackmail her, you know. And Kim grew up, and she came to our Bible clubs and finished her secondary school, passed her leaving cert, and decided, I want to go to university. I want to do something with my life. Yes. So Kim goes off to university and majors in social work and gets a degree from the Institute of Technology at Blanchardstown. And now she's working full-time as a youth worker at an organization called Solace. That's Kim. Then there's Josh. Josh is another boy who came up through our clubs, also from the flats, uh, decided to do the, the Irish thing uh, uh, with his life like most Irish young people do. He decided to have two children and live with his girlfriend. Uh, they're now still living together. But Josh got a full-time job. Josh uh, said, I don't want to just take on employment. He says, I want to I work. And so he's a full-time security guy. There's Darren. Darren also grew up in the same flats. He's very talented. He's very musical. All these kids I'm mentioning to you have made a decision for Christ, but this first category is they're not really growing in their faith, but they're growing 
in the community by having jobs. Darren works at Guinness. Darren started by just being a regular employee at Guinness, and now he, I call him, I, I kid him, he's the poster boy for Guinness. He travels around the world, but he's a good-looking Irish guy, and he has a great personality, and he travels around the world representing Guinness. But he went out and he decided, I'm going to be different, and I'm going to get a job. You see, their parents and their grandparents, and even their great-grandparents, they don't have jobs. They just live off what they get from the government. Then there's Lee. Lee's another boy from the same flats. Lee got a job at a, at a restaurant, a restaurant hotel, a five-star hotel. And he's working his way up. He's gone up, I think, three, three, three places from when he first hired in. But he's doing great. And he lives, in a, he lives in a home still with his grandma and several other of his siblings and nephews and nieces. And he's making something of himself. Then there's Tony. Oh, Tony. Tony's not from the same flats. Tony's from an area called Crumlin. And Tony, uh, Tony decided he was going to just volunteer at different places and just take the money that the government gave him. And he did that for about, I don't know, six or seven years. And then one day the light bulb went on in Tony's head and Tony says, I'm going to go apply for a job. And Tony got a job, and he works in a grocery store in the freezer department stocking the shelves. Now, you guys may think these just getting jobs is something small. It's something big. I'm telling you, they're trying to break the cycle here by getting jobs. And the last one in the first category is Gary. Gary started out at the Marker Hotel. He was a busboy. He worked out from the busboy to the dish pit. He worked from the dish pit to a, a part-time waiter. He went from part-time waiter to a full-time waiter. He moved up, and now he's the manager of the, the big bar restaurant on top of the hotel. He put a post on Facebook just a week ago. He says, I've always wanted a job where I could wear suits. He says, today I got the promotion, and I'm going suit shopping. And so he went out, and he's, he's wearing a suit to work every day. That's the first category. Some people in the second category. There's a girl named Shannon. Shannon was raised in a Christian home by her mom. Shannon is a, a girl that I taught in Sunday school when she was in third and fourth grade. Last year, Shannon was my boss. I did Youth Alpha in two high schools in Dublin, and Shannon, work, Shannon works full-time for Alpha, and she was my boss. How's that for ironic? Okay, She's giving me instructions and telling me how to, all those kind of things. Then there's Tony again. Tony goes to a church, a solid church. Tony's getting involved in service. Tony loves the Lord. And Tony's just a, a, a great guy from a very hard, hard place. Then there's a boy named Joel. Joel's another guy who grew up in a Christian home. His dad used to work for Dublin Christian Mission. And Joel has recently uh, got a job. But Joel has a real servant's heart. And he serves uh, anywhere he goes. He showed up at our going away. And he immediately started jumping in and helping and serving and doing things for other people that were there. And then there's Gavin. Gavin's another kid who grew up in a Christian home. I've had the privilege of knowing him since he was like third or fourth grade. And I was his Sunday school teacher. Gavin has finished his law degree at Trinity College. He's actually finished his degree to be a barrister, which is a judge. And along the way, he was the president of his Christian student union at Trinity University for two years. He brought in the um, the missionary church apologist, Bill Craig, 
came to Trinity College, and Gavin was his connection, and Trinity College was busting at the seams for the debate when Bill Craig was there. It was awesome. And some college kids drew closer to Jesus in their walk. Gavin called me up one day or texted me. I don't know what it was. He says, hey, do you know Bill Craig? And I said, well, I know who he is. I know he's from the... I couldn't finish this. He's one of your guys. He's a missionary church guy. And I said, yes, he is. I said, we'll claim him. He hasn't done anything dumb. We'll take him. And Gavin met him and talked to him. And it was just a a fantastic time in his life. Gavin is a real uh, spiritual leader. He's uh, got several guys that, that went to Trinity College that he's discipling and drawing them closer to the Lord. Number three, third point today. Everybody finishes. But where do you finish? If I was a marathon runner, I'd finish last. If I was a sprinter, I'd probably finish last. But funny story I'm going to work in here. When I played football for Northside High School, that's got your attention. I was one of those big linemen back in the day. I was big. Well, not as big as they are today. But uh, our coach would send me out 10 yards ahead, me and a couple other guys, and leave all the, the quick guys back 10 yards from us, and we'd have to run a sprint. And he'd tell these guys, if you don't beat these guys, you're going to run another one. And all of us big guys are thinking, yes, all we got to do is beat these guys. We didn't beat them very often. But when we did, we let them know about it. Okay, And they had to keep running, and we got to watch them. Where do you finish? This passage says that only one gets the prize. In the Olympics, there are three that receive medals. Third place gets bronze, second place gets silver, first place gets gold. Life, how you finish is everything. Our choices determine the outcome of where we're going to live for eternity. Living for Christ equals heaven. Living for self equates to hell. I told you I'd work heaven and hell in there. All of us have run with purpose to finish well. We need to run with purpose and finish well and receive the crown of eternal life. It talks about that crown in these verses. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. You know, I joined a club this week. I joined the 60 and over club. I hear it's a good club. Some of you are in it. Okay? But uh, I want to run. I want to keep running my life so that I get that crown that's going to last forever. For Carolyn and myself, our overseas full-time mission ministry is coming to an end. We feel validated and at peace that we've done what God has called us to do. We are thankful for all that God has allowed us to experience. We are thankful, and I mean this, for every one of you. Every one of you that has prayed for us, every one of you that has written to us, every one of you that has encouraged us, every one of you that has given financially towards our ministry. We're thankful for all the people that we've partnered with and when partnered, I mean, we've served with. We've served with some great missionaries over the years in our three countries. Some of the guys that I've served with have gone on to eternity already. 
and they were much younger than me. We're thankful for the chance that we have now to serve in America. We're not just going to sit in a chair and do nothing. If you know us at all, you know that won't happen. But you know what? I do plan to rest. I do plan to rest. I said in Sunday school class, I was trying, trying to watch college football yesterday. And I kept falling asleep. But then I wake up and I watch a little more and I fall asleep again. Pray for my um, energy. We're going to close today in a little different way. We're going to show a video that shows a few of the faces that we've had the privilege of serving.